0: Welcome to the latest ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and with the grass court season now upon us this week, we hear from a number of players finding their feet on the surface, including rising star Holger Runa and the Roland Garros semi-finalist, former US Open champion Marin Cilic. We also get a coaching insight from David Sammel on the mental side of winning at the very highest level. But before all of that, Some big news. On Thursday, ATP chairman Andrea Gaudenzi publicly outlined his vision for the future of the game through a long-term strategic plan, One Vision. He wants to bring the men's and women's tours closer together, improve the overall product, give players a bigger share of the success and bring as many of the one billion global tennis fans as he can along for the ride. It's all about future growth, and to that end, he was joined to chat by two of the game's biggest stars, Stefanos
1: Tsitsipas, and first of all, Rafael Nadal. Thank you, Rafa, for being here with us. We are here to chat a little bit about One Vision, the strategic plan of ATP.
2: Pleasure to be with you today, uh, Andrea. My first uh, question is how you how you see the, the sport today, the present and the future. What's your vision about uh, the things that uh, needs to happen to, to be in, uh, in a
1: better position? I think generally there is a big opportunity for our sport out there. We have over a billion fans. We are a global sport. We have a very strong women and men product. We have a lot of volume in terms of content which is exactly what we need in the digital world. But we struggle with the monetization because we are very fragmented. So one of the main principle of the plan is unity, to try to get everybody together in the same direction, to create a stronger product, a stronger sport. It's about creating this unity and moving the product in a better direction to provide a, a richer experience to the fans.
2: And how do you think
1: we can we can make that happen? I think one of the, the beginning is providing the players the transparency of the economics of the tournaments and also an upside on the success so you will get the full visibility on the economics but you also will get the 50 percent of the future profit sharing after the price money that will create the alignment of the interest so let's work together to improve our sport instead of fighting with each other all the time because the competition is soccer Football, American football, golf is entertainment. We're not competing against each other. Well, I, I agree with that, no. And
2: uh, I think we lose uh, a lot of energy fighting between each other, no. In trying to, to the tournaments are fighting for themselves, players are fighting uh, fi- fighting for ourselves. Uh, what do you think about the the new prize money formula? How
1: how this how this gonna work, and what was your goal? I think it can be game-changing for the relationship and the trust between players in tournaments. So if the tournaments do well financially, the players will get 50% of the profits on top of the prize money. So I think creating that mentality of unity and together working to raise the level of our sport, I strongly believe tennis has a huge upside in the next 10-20 years. I hope it's going to be really game-changing. It's also important to try to enhance the premium product, our bigger tournaments, you know, in these venues like Rome, Madrid, and Shanghai. And the fans want to see the top players playing in the biggest event in the world.
2: So I think our goal from uh, being uh, an ATP is, is try to to put our tournaments uh, closer and closer to to the to the Slams in terms of promotion, in terms of importance. It's a great product, no? And uh, we need to to encourage the, the the tournaments to to keep growing. I don't know how you see the the, the calendar of the all the future and how we can uh, improve that. From my experience, uh, I would like to see tournaments the full year because that creates opportunities, uh, create. Uh, possible jobs for more players but in the other hand you give the the players the the possibility to to rest rest without having that feeling that you are losing your ranking
1: i totally agree it's about creating those spaces in between but providing a 11 12 month calendar it's quite unique for our sport we're trying to change because we want to grow them a little bigger with more rest days thanks a lot for joining us today rafa was a pleasure to speak with you and i wish you good luck Thank you very much, Andrea. Have been
2: a pleasure, and we need the good luck as always. But uh, have been a, a beautiful thing. Talk a little bit about our tour for a while. Thank Thanks. Thanks
1: a lot, Stefanos. Thank you to have a chat about the One Vision, the strategic plan of the ATP. I heard One Vision is a very ambitious plan. What changes shall we expect from the calendar? The calendar is about strengthening the premium product, which is the main interest for the fans, which is seeing the top players in the top events in the top cities around the world. So the idea is to grow them similar to Indian Wells in Miami to 96th row, 12 days. Then you would have Madrid-Rome, two weeks, two weeks. You have Shanghai, two weeks. You would have canada Cincy sharing, three weeks. So we're trying to expand, giving more days, more prize money, bigger stages. One other element is about the category protection. So to provide more stability to these tournaments long term so they can invest more. Bigger stadiums, but also bigger locker rooms, bigger gym. And and what's your feeling about combined events, about having men and women compete in the same arenas and having them together? It's a
3: better structured uh, way of uh, having tournaments be be held together. It allows for uh, more fans to be attending and watch their favourite players, whether that's a female or a male. Uh, They can uh, get the whole package in one place. What is the plan on supporting 250s when weeks are going to become longer in 1000s?
1: Good question. We don't have a plan to now reduce the number of 250s. We will reschedule them and we also will likely plan to have strong challenges in the second week of the Masters for those players who are losing early, participate to provide jobs to the players.
3: The prize money changes when it comes to this
1: new plan it's an important one because i think the core of one main issues we have lack of trust between players and tournaments that comes from the fact that the players never had visibility over the finances of the tournaments for the last 30 years so now this new plan is providing full transparency to the players on the pnl so the idea is let's get together compete against other sports other than instead of competing internally with each other that's the idea how about content and social um, exposure for athletes. As you know, we're working now on the Netflix documentary altogether. Research shows that at the moment, live sport is around 50% of the fans' time. Content which is non live besides the tennis matches, becomes more and more important to engage, especially the younger generations. That's why I think having the players and the tournament sharing the success will also give the players a different mindset so guys like you that contribute very well to our sport with everything you do on court and off court will actually contribute to have more revenue ticketing sponsorship etc and you will have a direct benefit from that
0: i love that idea and for more on andrea Gardenzi's one vision head to atptour.com you're listening to the atp tennis radio Podcast. podcast Back on court and there was a new name on the champions roster this week as wildcard Tim van Reithofen completed a dream week at the Libema Open in Sertogenbosch. Ranked 205 in the world, he raced to a 6-4-6-1 victory over none other than Daniel Medvedev for his first ATP Tour title. In doing so, becoming the first Dutchman to win the ATP 250 event on home soil since Sheng Schalken back in 2003. Here's what he had to say after his greatest win.
3: Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is new for me, so uh, it's going <laughs> to take some time getting used to. But I mean, what a dream this week. Um, I'd like to thank the tournament organization for the wild card this week. I mean, without them, this week wasn't even possible. Uh, I wouldn't even play here. I would probably play somewhere in England on a on a challenger level tour. So, so very special thanks to you. Um, Furthermore, I would like to thank my team uh, for just staying humble the whole week, just doing the normal things, um, not making this thing any bigger than it was. uh, Which I'm also that kind of person, which is, you know, we're just hitting a tennis ball, which is uh, not very special if you look at it. from a far point of view. But um, yeah, I mean, organization was amazing, courts are amazing. And I would like to thank all of you because your support was just incredible this week. (laughs) Furthermore, I would like to show my huge respect to Daniel. I mean, you're a great player. I've watched you on TV many times. And now to play you myself, I mean, it's, for me, it's, it was already a dream to play you. And uh, to be playing this well against you was just amazing. Um, so, yeah, it was an honor for me to share the court with you. And, uh, yeah, you, you're for sure going to win many more titles. And uh, I'll see you hopefully in the future more times in the, on the court. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I hope I see you
0: next year. And... Uh, Maybe in the same spot. We'll see. <laughs> Despite the loss, Medvedev will return to number one in the Pepperstone ATP rankings on Monday as he prepares to take his place in Halle, Germany, alongside Stefano Sitsipas, Andrei Rublev, Felix Auger-Aliassime and many more, among them one of the upcoming stars of the ATP Tour, newly installed inside the world's top 30 after a great run at Roland Garros, Denmark's Holger Rune.
4: Yeah, it's it's going very well, you know, even better than expected, you know, starting as uh, number 103 I think and already in June being being in top 30 is is big and my ultimate goal for the season was top 25 and uh, now I'm 28 so I might have to put it a bit higher but yeah, for now let's just focus on that goal and uh, see what happens.
5: You've had a lot of fantastic moments this year, beaten big players on the way, Uh, what would you say, what was your biggest moment for you personally?
4: Yeah, I think there was definitely two tournaments that, you know, kind of stick out. This season was uh, Munich, where I had my first top three wins against Zverev and, and went out to win the tournament after. And then the French Open was, was also a great experience, beating another guy in, in top five and reaching the quarters. Obviously, wasn't a bit disappointed that I couldn't go further, but still, I mean, I'm very ambitious. And if you look at it, I, I could only be proud of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, these two are the, the best tournaments for me.
5: So, was that quarterfinal run at the French Open entirely unexpected for you or not really?
4: Well, I mean, I told myself before the tournament, you know, just to take one match at a time because before that I hadn't played a lot of uh, best of five set matches. So, you know, I think I couldn't allow myself to look too much forward. So I just took one match at a time. And uh, obviously, I have good feelings there on, on Roland Garros as I won as a junior there. So I knew the conditions and the atmosphere very well. And I had great fans there as well. So it's. Uh, it was unexpected but in a way I also believed that I was able to do it so it was you know kind of two things.
5: And you mentioned that title in Munich why is it so special to win the first title?
4: Yeah I mean it's it's a lot of different emotions you know you before the final was tough because you you think so much and it's it's really tough you want to win so bad and your opponent wants to it was you know if he won it would be his first title as well so there was a lot of pressure on, on both of us but you know I I just told myself that I had a lot of experience from you know, my junior time where I played a lot of finals so I knew how to deal with the pressure and all the, all the moments that, that could happen and uh, yeah, I mean the, after that I was very very happy and, and you know, celebrating with my team was very emotional and it, it's a good start you know, to go forward with.
5: And that seems to be a big strength of yours, to you know, how you deal with pressure. Why are you good at it and, and how do you work on it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I don't think I'm just born to do it. Uh, I, I really work on it, and you know, also I tell myself that I really can't allow to step back on a break point and and you know play like I did in the 12 In a way, you know, you have to improve all the time, and as fast as you do it and you force yourself to do things that is outside your comfort zone, as better you will get quicker, and and that's really what I told myself because the beginning of the year was was a bit tough for me. I I lost a lot of matches in a row and. Uh, You know, after that, I kind of you know took the decision that now I really want to do damage on the tour. And uh, since Indian Wells has been doing good, played a good tournament there, and just been going forward. So
5: right now, what do you think is your biggest strength?
4: I would say my probably my mentality is good on the court. I tell myself, you know, how I call it is to be the Holger one. You know, not to be so many else Holger types. And uh, I also I would say how I move on the court is good.
5: And how many other Holger types are there?
4: Uh, Two. There's uh, one who is focused everywhere and there's one who is focused on the court. And I want to be the one focusing on the court.
5: And uh, out of all of the matches you've played this year in percentage, how many times have we seen Holger won?
4: We've seen him a lot in the clay season. I would say almost every match in Munich where it went very well and also in the French Open. Until the quarterfinals, there was a bit of nerves and everything that, that took me maybe a bit by surprise. But, uh, you know, obviously, I feel like all the great tournaments I've played this year, I've been the Holger the one, and that's really what I'm aiming for. And it is difficult, but it should be difficult because if, if it wasn't, everybody could be able to be top 10 in these things. So I really, you know, try to work on it and accept it's not easy.
5: So you're now coming into the grass court season, new territory for you. Uh, what's your relationship to the grass?
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited for it. It's, it's a, a whole different game in a way. You can't stay back. You have to really force yourself to to take your chances, and uh, it's nice. It's it's very classy and old school, and it's it's nice, you know, because you know tennis is is very much you know from the baseline, hit as strong as you can, and on the grass you get a little bit of you know the old Roger Federer coming to the net and slicing and. You know, this is this is also beautiful to watch. So I'm I'm super excited to start.
5: But you haven't played any tournaments, any tour level matches on grass, and I and I think also haven't played in in ages
4: on grass. Does that scare you? Well, the first practice it did, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm lucky to have a few days that I can prepare and practice and do a lot of sets and uh, you know also kind of see how I am compared to the other players and. Uh, for now it's good. I'm playing well and uh, obviously there's always nerves before first match, no matter if it's here or first round on clay or hard court. So it, it's going to be fun and I mean, most of all, I'm just super excited.
0: Ursin Kaderis speaking with Holger Rune. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and atptour.com. The transition from clay to grass is always tricky physically, but a lot of it is also in the mind. David Sammel is coach of Brit Liam Brody and the author of a book entitled Locker Room Power. For him, mental strength is paramount, especially when facing unpredictable players like Nick Kyrgios, who he believes is a master at getting into his opponents' heads.
6: For me, it's, it's, it's part of the game, and when people say it shouldn't be i totally disagree with that i think you know he he understands the the mind game very very well and he uses it to his advantage and you know he can also back it up with with game and therefore it's just part of the game and and it's box office to watch and it's fa- fabulous for for the sport and i hope uh, i hope he can you know continues for a long time but what, what Nick and you know, and really most of the top players are very good at doing, is making you think about them and worry about what they're going to do, and you have to get to a place where, you know, you make your statements, and you 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 meet them, you know, full on, and say, you know, I'm not worried about what you do, I'm going to concentrate on what I can do to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And, and stay in that place for, for a whole match.
1: And I suppose, you know, we talk about tennis and the forehands and the backhands, but there's so many X's and O's, aren't there? It's so mental at, at this stage. And I presume even with your experience, you're you're sort of looking at how the other players are coping with the pressure and expectation and what they're doing, because there's so much to learn, isn't there? You never stop learning in this game.
6: Yes, and, and uh, you know... I think I think Djokovic actually said it uh, that you know people think that that I don't feel the nerves and I don't you know feel what other players do but that's not true I feel just the same I've just gotten so good at managing it and you know everybody's human and thank goodness otherwise it, this wouldn't be so exciting uh, and and you, you know in a way you're trying to prey on their humanity and uh, and that's a, a bit of a chess game, and and it's something that that I really enjoy, and I believe uh, that you know, obviously, I wrote a book about locker room power, uh, and I I know a few players have actually read it. It's it's it exists, you know, in the locker, certain players have have more power than others, and it's it's quite difficult to wrest that power away from them, but that's the challenge, and that's the beauty of it.
7: Is that
1: how you would account for three men winning so many majors between them, that they have the locker room power, it's the intimidation factor more than anything else?
6: I mean, it's certainly uh, a a big part of it. Um, You know, I think to, to go up against those guys and believe at the start is one thing, but they've got great games to back it up as well. So... You know, I think Mike Tyson said, "Well, you know, everybody has a game plan. We get punched in the face." <laughs>
1: That's the best quote of all time. <laughs> yeah,
6: you know, and 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 these guys tend to punch you in the face, and and you've got to be able to ride that and and show them that you can take those punches and and then still punch back, and and it, you know, it's it's recovering from that feeling of not being equal, and really. Being able to be good enough to stay with them and get to the point where they they realise it's game on as well, and then you have a chance to beat them. But it's it certainly uh, you know you know I I don't, I don't think you can win a tournament like this without having a couple of matches that the guys go away on you because it's a lot of energy to beat people who believe from beginning to end Mm. and that's what locker room power does it it's it saves energy for the best players because you know two or three matches they if they just show the guy that they're there and everything they tend to you know uh not not be as big a battle for them and and then of course that they're ready for the big battles where people do stand up to them and and of course they you know sometimes mindset is the most important thing, given all things are equal in terms of game and everything like that. But if 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 somebody is just a much better tennis player, I don't think uh, mindset is going to make the difference. You have to be good enough as well as mm. have 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 a strong mindset. And uh, you know those three guys, and for a while Andy just had a lock on it all. I mean they were so 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 prolific. It's It's just,
0: yeah, I think you said it earlier, almost inhuman. Fascinating insight. And to listen to an extended version of Dave Samuels' chat with Candy Reid, check out the ATP channel on Apple Podcasts or Spotify this coming Wednesday. And to see how his player Liam Brody does in the first round at the Queen's Club against Marin Cilic, the number seven seed, head to Tennis TV, where you can subscribe to watch all the action live. Talking of Marin Cilic, he's been speaking with Richard Connolly at the Queen's Club, where he starts as a two-time champion.
8: Well, here we are on the beautiful lawns of Queen's Club in West London, and joining us is the semi-finalist from Roland Garros, Marin Cilic. Marin, it is great to see you, and so well played from what happened at Roland Garros. I want to ask you, the commentators in Rome a couple of weeks before Paris said they had never seen you look so relaxed on a tennis court. And then <laughs> two weeks later, you're in the semi-finals of Roland Garros. Is there a link between the two things?
9: As I said, first of all, pleasure to be here. And as I actually mentioned that to, to can you believe it, to uh, 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 Julian Roger, Roger and Marcelo Rivalo. They just won, I believe, was it the quarterfinals of of uh, the French Open. I told them small things come before big things. And then you know, that's about it. In, in Rome was a lot of fun. Played incredible, incredible match, uh, incredible couple matches over there. And you know, the 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 stone starts to roll, and then uh, all of a sudden you are you are just feeling fantastic. So yeah. So why were you so relaxed in Rome before Paris? The question is why not? <laughs> why not more often? Um, you know, I just feel sometimes uh, that everything fits in a game Um, you know you can have uh, very often some problems in the game that you need to solve Uh, obviously opponent playing this way strategy blah 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 but uh, you know once you feel good which is in my case once I feel good I feel relaxed I feel uh, you know much in control and I can focus on uh, other things like uh, feeling joy on the
8: court (laughs) (laughs) so you were relaxed because you were playing well, it wasn't that you were playing well because you were relaxed. I mean, Uh, what is it?
9: Uh, What comes first, chicken or the egg? So yeah, you never know.
8: But I get the sense, um, if you'll allow me to talk about life outside tennis, that you are happy in yourself generally i mean you are a rare thing in that you are a father of two boys yeah. under the age of 3 yeah. and you are relaxed and happy and smiling <laughs> and not asleep and tired and yeah. grumpy so yeah. how's that working
9: out fantastic when you have a when you have a great wife you need to first pick a great wife <laughs> she's taking care of them incredibly well and and luckily the older son is sleeping through the night and and one of the reasons as well why i played well in paris cuz he would sleep for a long time, you know, obviously now with uh, with the, uh, you know, phones, uh, TVs, everything, you are sitting, sitting in your bed and the time runs away uh, in the evening and all of a sudden you are feeling, oh man, uh, I gotta sleep. But with my son, he get, he's sleeping at the, at the right time, sleeping through the night and uh, I was going with him and felt uh, energetic and, and uh, quite relaxed and you know, full of energy, I have to say. It's the opposite. Yeah. Does,
8: does tennis feel less important or more important when you're a dad? It's,
9: I would say, the same. Um, it's just about uh, realising and acknowledging that uh, when you're doing things away from family, away from home, that you try to do them well. Um, and, and try to use the time you have in the day the best you can that's the simplest possible answer
8: yeah management of time yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's not as easy as it sounds yeah. um, tell us then what did you do so well tennis wise at the French Open
9: I have to say uh, probably everything you know um, just looking back you know taking last uh, couple sets that I've lost uh, in semi um everything uh, else was... Incredibly well Um, from you know from ground strokes to the serve to return movement attitude uh, joy as you mentioned Um, You know uh, even feeding off the energy of from the crowd uh, Staying in the moment keeping you know everything I have to say was was working well, and that's why those things happen I could have lost possibly even in a in a quarterfinals with uh, with Rublev, which was incredible match I wouldn't I wouldn't feel sad, obviously, you know, you lose a match, but, uh, you know, most important is that you've got your game, that you got uh, your level and you are able to uh, confront that against the best guys in the world.
8: You've seen a lot of things in your tennis life, does it mean necessarily that because you play well on clay, you come to grass and you play well here as well?
9: Um, you never know, because you can have incredible clay season and then terrible uh, grass season and, and whatever. But. I would say in general uh, matches on clay do help you for not only grass season but for the rest of the rest of the year because the matches are a little bit longer you hit a little bit more uh, shots the trainings are a little bit uh, more intensive etc etc and then you feel a little bit prepared but you know the grass season is such a short time uh, you can be uh, playing against some incredible guys who who serve well and then you are if you you know blink you can be out of it so yeah uh, you still just gotta stay focused do your own things and, and hope for the best because <laughs> some people will say listen if Marin Cilic can do that well
8: on the clay we know what he's done on the grass before we're talking to you here at Queen's you're a champion um what's he going to be like on the grass he's going to be even better is that the kind of message that you have in, inside yourself
9: um no actually no it's well first of all it's motivating you know this this kind of result is motivating me inside that you know i know that i've been doing really good things not in these past two weeks it's it's a process of last four six eight months that you know the work has been going well Uh, but on the other day one of the most difficult things not only in tennis but also in any job any life is that you keep that routine of of high quality and you can you know get complacent you can get Uh, comfortable uh, and you know all of a sudden things can be uh, going down downside so uh, you know keeping my head down I know what was working well and just uh, you know enjoying myself on the court you
8: found the recipe and the stone is rolling Let's, (laughs) let's
9: keep it rolling in the glass yes let's keep it rolling Thank
8: you so much for talking to us on the ATP podcast, Marion Cilic.
0: Pleasure, thank you. Another player who'll be keen for a positive week on the grass, having bowed out early at the Boss Open in Stuttgart, is Canadian Dennis Shapovalov. He'll take on America's Tommy Paul in the first round in London, and ATP Uncovered have been spending some time with him to talk about the mental side of the game.
7: Me and my parents, my family, we had to do it on our own. So nothing was really given to me, you know, so I had to to really work hard and and try to earn everything. So when I'm on the court, it's the same thing. I try to earn every single point and uh, try to do the best I can.
5: Ken, there's just no fear in this kid. His
7: mentality of aggressive, aggressive. I think pressure is a privilege. Seems unfazed in those pressure-filled moments. I always get sweaty hands, uh, you know, butterflies in my stomach. I think that's normal. Nowadays, it's more excitement whenever there's pressure, whenever I feel that. Back then, it was a little bit more fear and a lot of doubt. I think there's just been a lot of matches where, where it's tight or you feel pressure, but I kind of made it up on the scene with Montreal and US Open, and then there was a lot of expectations. And I didn't fully believe in myself yet.
0: Rafael Nadal battles over the line, Denis Shapovalov pushing him all the way. It's Denis Shapovalov, he beats Rafa Nadal for the second time in his career.
7: That you know I do belong on the tour with these players and I was thinking myself as well was it just a fluke or you know do I actually have the game so there's a lot of a lot of back thoughts and, and a lot of pressure I felt when I was walking out onto the court, walking out to, to play these matches. You already have a, a great career, but I'm sure that the best things are yet to come for you. Once I spent enough time on the tour, I realized that my level is there, that I'm able to to beat, you know, a lot of players when I'm playing well. Wonderful performance from the Canadian. That gives you a lot of confidence and and you know it calmed me down quite a bit. That pressure is is something you want to have. You want to be in these situations and uh, and you want to be doing well, you know, obviously, so it's going to come with, with a lot of pressure. So, yeah, it's just, uh, it's about understanding that. He has done it! I think the best players in the games, like, I mean, Roger, Rafa, and Novak, that's what they've perfected the best. I mean, they they just play so well when it's, when it's, you know, important it's huge to, to work with a psychologist first of all to, to understand yourself better understand yourself as a person uh, the way your mind works the way you're thinking when I'm you know when I'm on the courts when I'm just in life you know so that's helped me a lot it all comes down to to playing well when there's a, a lot a lot on the line I'm trying to, to stay away from everything only talk to to the people that are you know, just around, maybe my team, uh, some close people, but really try to stay away from, from all the noise that's external. And of course, you, know, you always have the internal side wanting you to, to be the best and, and do the best. I just wanna be the best for myself, for, for my family. I want them to, to know that I appreciate them and I want them to know the way that I am and the way that I was and I think the most important thing is to do your best and, and try to fight for every point and, you know, you're going to win some matches, you're going to lose some matches. It's, it's sport, it's normal, but it's about realising that, uh, yeah, that it's all about just just giving your best on every single day.
0: Good luck to Dennis and all the players taking part at both the Cinch Championships at Queen's and the Terra Vortman Open in Halle this coming week. Remember, you can keep up to date with all the action and scores on atptour.com, on the ATP WTA Live app and on Tennis TV. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Come back next week when we round up all the action from those two ATP 500s and bring you more exclusive interviews as we count down to the third Grand Slam of the year on the green, green grass of London's SW19. Catch you then. In the meantime, enjoy the tennis.